Before we, oops, did I do it right? Ah, I got it right, all right. Before we pop that first slide up there, I just wanted to thank you all for coming back to the book table and buying the books. And some of you were buying them in big stacks. And I was just wondering, what are you gonna do with all of those big stacks of books? Are, they're gifts? Oh, okay, I love getting books as gifts, but don't give me mine. <laughs> That's so funny. I had, um, I, gave, I gave a lady a CD for Christmas once, and it was from my vast store of CDs. I, I end up getting a lot of gifts on the road, and sometimes they're music CDs. I don't even pop the plastic on them because I think to myself, you know what, you, this must be a gift for someone else. You don't need everything somebody gives you. So I saved them in a big stack, and I gave one to a lady, and she gave it back to me for Christmas the next year. Hey, wait a minute. Are you guys live streaming this? <laughs> I'm never saying her name. <laughs> and I didn't tell her either because that's embarrassing. You don't tell. If somebody ever re-gifts the gift you gave them, just be mum and smile and know that they just had that thing that happens to women as they get older. It's called the mental pause. That's all we're going to say about that because we don't want to make the guys blush back there. But we're going to have a lesson now in this session on the territory of the mind. And before I start teaching that, I'd like you to meet my family. And so this is the Taylor family in June of 2017. And there's the patriarch in the middle, right under my hands, the Norman H. Taylor. And then off to this side here is the baby. And does anybody else have somebody in your family that just makes the family crack up so hard? That would be our Colin. I love when he's around, because I know I'm gonna laugh till my side hurts. He's just so much fun. That's the musical one, and that's also the one that has developed this really bad habit of when you lose at a family game, he runs the piano and creates a song in the minor key. It's called the loser song. I don't like that at all. I think it's funny either. And then that's Hillary, my daughter that I was telling you about that was the seven-year-old that wanted to read dictionaries, and now she's the one that practices law, and I love when she comes to visit because she just wants to do what mom wants to do, which is go to the beach and go shelling. I've got a fellow sheller when she comes to visit. They're both in the Twin Cities. And then on this side over here, my daughter in love, Jessica, the, the shortest version possible of this story, I have to tell you that when I met Jessica, I started praying for her to be the wife of my son. And look at And so that's my Jessica daughter in love, and there's my oldest son, Austin. And Austin, as soon as dad passed away, which Austin was there, Jessica was there, and I was there. And so we all had that pivotal moment of watching Norman go off into eternity. And I'm really grateful that I got to be with someone else at that moment in time. But even just this morning, for some reason, I had a flashback about it. And I was thinking to myself, this isn't only my flashback. I wonder sometimes what Austin and Jessica go through because we were all there saying a very hard goodbye together. Well, I was down in Pensacola, Florida, walking into the church service in 2018. And you don't have to flip the slide yet. But I was um, walking in there and I was crying. I don't know if you've ever 
saw anybody walk into your church service and it looked like they were wiping their eyes or they might have just finished crying. I tried really hard to hide it. I do have one distinct advantage. I don't turn red. <laughs> just telling you. So I, 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 really, I really love that advantage. I take full advantage of that advantage. I'm just I'm grateful for it. But I'm, you have to look at me hard to know if I have been crying. But I would walk into that church service and what was making me weep was I didn't have anybody to sit with. This was new to me. You know how we all go blowing into our church buildings like, rah, you know, we just walk in and, hey, and we talk to everybody, we know everybody, we know their kids and they know us and we got all these connections. Now all of a sudden I'm walking into this great big auditorium and as you come into the auditorium at Campus Church, you look in any direction and there's nothing but just walls of bodies. But what was interesting about it is they all seem to be talking to somebody. And then there's me. And so I, I would come in and I'd look at all those people and my lip would just involuntarily start quivering. And then the tears would just involuntarily start coming down my face. And I'd say, now toughen up, girl. Come on, you can't be doing this. And I'd be wiping. And I, I, I got the drill down. It was happening too many times. So I started carrying a handkerchief. Because even though you can't tell if I'm blushing, you can tell if I have Kleenex on my face. It just, <laughs> so I didn't want to have to deal with that. So I got a handkerchief, a really pretty one, one that was brown floral, so that when my makeup would get on it, it wouldn't show. So I have lovely, it's in my purse right now, I have to show you, Amy, you'll appreciate this. Stop it, let's pay attention. Okay, she's my homegirl and we'll get all distracted and she answers me and that makes it worse. So I prayed as I walked into the auditorium again and again and again, Lord, may I please have family here? I, I believe I obeyed you when I came, may I please have family? And I kept on praying that, and I kept on asking, and all of a sudden, I'm getting a ride to the airport with one of the promotions department guys, and he told me that he was going to be leaving to open his own Chick-fil-A. And he said, I'm leaving on a good note, good terms, great friends here. We, we don't have any issues, no funny air. I'm just, actually, my wife and I, this is what we think the Lord wants us to do next. And I said, oh, bravo. Well, you're going to be short in your department, aren't you? And he said, yeah, we're looking for a guy. So that guy over there, that's the shortest version of the story. I can't tell you all the things that happened, but they ended up contacting Austin, and he works in the promotions department, and Jessica's in customer service at Abeka, and she's about to be transferred over to the administration building. She'll be working in the same building with her husband. And they would have told you this time last year, if you'd have asked them, are they going to move to Pensacola, they'd have said, why in the world would we do that? Only God. Now, this is our family, 2018. You see the difference? Do you see how different a family looks when you take away the patriarch? Don't you immediately see a difference there, even though, yes, we're still smiling. And you would think, it's only minus one, but didn't the whole dynamic of that photo change? The whole dynamic of our family changed, too. And believe it or not, you won't be surprised at this. The enemy used that change to try to topple me. I have never been hit with so many bullets of discouragement in my life. Thank the Lord for the shield of faith. 
And we didn't invent that, by the way. So we can't take credit for it. It works because of God. I would have gone down long ago just because, without realizing it, I had allowed much of my literal existence here on this side of heaven to be wrapped up in my husband. Now, if you're not married yet, that what I just said to you doesn't make any sense. But if you are a married lady and you still have your husband on this side of heaven, particularly if you're in a good marriage, a good, godly, healthy marriage, you're pretty wrapped up. And because you're so deeply tied, which you're supposed to be, you have the same risk that I had, and that is the risk of the enemy trying to take over part of the territory of your mind. So we're going to study the territory of the mind, but we're not only going to study it from the perspective of a married lady, because I realize that we have a mixed group here. We have people from all different walks and stages of life. If you're not in the teenager group, your, your stage is whatever it is for you. So this is not a session for wives. This is a session for Christian women. We're going to cover this together on the territory of the mind because the mind is where a lot of the battles take place. Let's open in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into this lesson. Father, I pray that you would give me the ability to teach this lesson with Holy Spirit power that I don't possess. I have no ability, Lord, only what you give. So would you please grant by your gracious power the ability to teach this lesson in a way that will be beneficial to every hearer in the room. And then, Lord, when you touch an area, I pray that each one of us will remain yielded to that touch. And whatever it is you want us to do differently, we would just say, yes, Lord. Bless this time we study together now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Romans 8, 6, that's going to be our springboard text into this lesson called The Territory of the Mind, and it has just four points. Did you have a good lunch, by the way? That was all yeses. And aren't they awesome over there, the helpers? I know. That's the most time a guy's going to spend in the kitchen for a whole calendar year. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Some of them are chefs. Some of them do it all the time. But they were. it was really, really good. They did a great job. Let's read Romans 8, 6 together, shall we? Ready? Begin. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, we know that if a Bible verse begins with the word for, that there was something that preceded the verse. And to keep in context, I highly recommend you read Romans 8, the verses that were before that one we came to. But it is talking basically about the difference between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. We tend towards the carnal mind. God wants us to have the spiritual mind. Because of that, the battle lines have been drawn. See, what God wants for us is the opposite of what the enemy wants. God wants us to have sound minds. He wants us to be peaceful in our minds and resting in him and trusting, as I taught earlier. He wants us to be these stable women, ones who can turn around and pass a baton of stability to the women coming up behind us in the race. Ha, yeah, so what does the enemy want? the opposite. Let me shake them up, rattle them badly 
tip them over on their head, and hopefully they won't even know what hit them, and they'll be unstable in all their ways. They're going to be double-minded. They're going to be not. They're going to constantly be second-guessing. They'll be hitting the replay button on stuff they shouldn't. He wants to get us in this loop where we're stuck in a wrong thought pattern, and it's happening. But it doesn't have to stay that way. So let's go ahead and study it. Things that you can pray for in regards to the territory of your mind. Number one, pray for a peaceful mind. Pray for a peaceful mind. I love that passage of Philippians. I think Amy quoted it, but it is so worth reviewing again, where it tells us, really, we've got a very big instruction here that if we pause and read it in slow motion rather than going by just whip-bang because we've seen it before, we're going to actually see layers of instructions here that are meant to be followed. Actually, what you're doing at a ladies' conference right now is pretty much the same thing. You're just getting layers of instructions from the Word, not from us girls. Amy and I are nothing but delivery people. We laugh about it all the time. In fact, I leaned over to her and said, you know we're just the Pizza Hut delivery girls, right? She said, yep. And we are. We'll bring the food hot and ready, but you decide whether or not you're going to eat. And so this is us delivering. But it isn't us who, we didn't write it, but we do believe it. And so therefore, we stumble along through life trying to live it, don't we, girl? Yeah, yeah. But pray for a peaceful mind. Be careful for nothing. Okay, but we, but we tend to just ignore that. That being careful for nothing is don't be so tied up, worried, fretful about everything. Oh, but you don't know what's going on in my life, Francie. There's stuff to be worried about. Okay, I have a question about that. Have you ever worried anything to a solution yet? <laughs> Honestly, conserve energy, would you? The day can be exhausting enough without engaging in something that's not going to give you anything. Worrying just wears us out. I love what I heard another speaker say at a ladies' conference. She said, worry is like a rocking chair. You're not going anywhere, but it gives you the impression that you're doing something. <laughs> it's like, no, don't, don't. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication, we're taking it to another level. With thanksgiving. Okay, press the pause button a second. When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you for this terribly hard thing I'm going through? This is ugly, Lord. This hurts like crazy. I would never have dialed 1-800 and ordered this ever. Thank you for it, Lord. When's the last time? If you've never done that, you can start now. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Psalm 1971 proves that God thinks differently than we do. Where's the little girl in the pink dress who sang the song? Is she gone? Where are you? She's in the back with the, is she a teenager? Would you tell her I said thank you for that song? It was spot on perfect for this lesson. Like, like she called me and said, what would you like for an intro song? I would have said that one. That was perfect. But her, she was basically singing a version of Psalm 1971. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, 
that I might learn thy statutes. So here comes your next hard, or maybe you're in your hard right now. Would you thank God? Because the verse said to do it, we want to obey. So by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, then you let your request be made known unto God. And then the next thing that happens is just what we need. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through. Through Christ Jesus. Very pivotal, and every word in the Word of God matters. But do you know that He can guard our hearts and minds better even than we can? We know that, right? He certainly can. So what are some things you can do while you're praying for that peaceful mind? Confess worries. Under number one, jot down, confess your worries. We need to confess them because when we're worrying, we actually are out of line. And it is actually, really honestly, a bit insulting to God. Our worrying, even though we don't mean it to translate this way, does come across as, I don't trust you with this one, Lord, this is big. I think this might even be too big for you. We may not mean to say that, but catch yourself the next time you're worrying and ask yourself, is that superior to prayer? And then take that worry to the Lord. Confess that you're worrying and then give him that worry. Here's another thing you can do for your peaceful mind. Build quiet time into your calendar, please. Build some quiet time in there. Does God always have to get the time scraps? Can't he have an on-purpose major chunk of time? He can if you'll leave some room. But if you take those calendar scores and you fill every single one of them from top to bottom, and then the next phone call that comes in and you're already full from top to bottom, and then you say yes to one more thing, of course you're going to be having limited amount of time with the Lord. And of course you're going to be high strung and feeling stressed out and pressured all the time. I can't even begin to tell you how many things I'm asked to do down in Pensacola. And I, I really, they have grown on me rapidly. They, I mean, you know, I told you that story about praying for family. God told on me. I never told them I was praying for family. People took it upon themselves to get my cell number. And then every Sunday after I first walked in crying, somebody texted my phone and said, our family is seated in section blah 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 Would you like to sit with us? You know what I started doing? Attaching myself to everybody. It's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Plunk. There's something about feeling like you know who you're... Somebody's looking for you. I mean, I yeah, it was yes every time. It got to the point where there was a fight over who was going to sit with Fancy. <laughs> How funny is that? It's like, are you kidding me? You guys are funny. Ah, but you're all so sweet. I sat with this family this week, that family that week, this family, and I got to know all these people and their kids. Now their kids run up to me in the hallway like I'm their old teacher or something. Miss Fancy. And they give me a hug, and I'm thinking, you start giving me family before my family got here. But you know what? That's how God will work. But build some quiet time into your calendar so that you're not all wrapped up. Because now that I'm there, I've noticed that there's 
just only about a billion things to do and they don't have enough people to do it. Does that sound like your ministry? So you look and you find somebody who looks like they might know how to do what you need done and they probably need very little instruction and you pick them. I will never believe this. I am not the best woman for every job and neither are you. So last week, Francie, can you... I'm sorry, but really I believe the Lord has indicated to me that I'm at the legal limit. And I'm, I'm being honest. If I were to say yes, I would be going against the Lord's caution. Because God wants us, not just our service. Are you so busy serving him he can't have you? Does that make sense to you? That, that would be like you marrying a guy and he says, I love you so much that I'm going to work around the clock so that you can have everything. That isn't why you went down the aisle in that fluffy white dress. You wanted him. God wants you. He wants us. Build some quiet time in your calendar. It'll help your mind to be more peaceful because you'll actually have time to sit still a minute. When's the last time you took a cup of your favorite beverage and put your fluffy socks on and went and sat somewhere comfortable with your Bible and your blankie and your delicious beverage of choice? <laughs> if it's been too long, schedule some quiet time into your calendar. And under this one, finally, stop trying to do everything and quit apologizing when you can't. I don't offer apologies for things I'm not supposed to do. You just, you have to just stop. Stop trying to do everything. So for the peaceful mind, ask God to teach you to have a quiet and peaceful mind. He will. He will. Number two out of four. Pray for a healthy thought life. Pray for a healthy thought life. Now, if any of these things came naturally to us, we wouldn't have to pray for them. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't come naturally to us to have a healthy thought life. We can have some very unhealthy thoughts that we allow to roll around in our heads again and again, and that's because of spiritual warfare. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And you, many of you, know the verses in 4 through 5. But if you look at those for refresher in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now remember what I said earlier, if the sentence starts with four, then you need to go back and read the entire passage for context. But basically here we're talking about warfare in the mind and strongholds that the enemy tries to set up in our minds. So what kind of things do we need to be careful about when we're praying for our healthy thought life? First of all, be careful about offenses and past hurts. If you've got something from the past that you're hitting the replay button in your mind and reliving it again, be careful. You're allowing the enemy to set up a stronghold in your mind. That thought has not been taken captive. You are the captive. 
You want to confess that thought and then stop going back and visiting it. In fact, catch yourself when you're going back and visiting old pains and hurts and things that people did. Catch yourself and say, that's not mine. That thought has been taken captive. I've given that to Christ. No. You can boss yourself around. Try it. You might even obey. Another area about life in general. Pray for a healthy thought life about your life. Because sometimes we get these, we get a wrong perspective. And it's usually because we're looking around and comparing ourselves among ourselves. And so then we think, well, my life's not so great. After all, look at so-and-so's life. Wrong perspective. No matter how bad you might think something is, there is worse. And we don't want worse. Always remind yourself that when things go wrong in life, you're not alone. Who said that? Did you say that, Amy? See why I love her? She just, she studies. Because that's where she got that from. You are not alone. And you're not first. It may feel like it, sister friends. You might feel like, well, Francie, no, you have no idea what's going on. You're right, I don't. And you don't know what's going on in my world either. So we're even. But I just know this. No temptation hath taken you, but such as is common to man. God's still faithful. He's going to provide the way of escape so that we're able to bear it. So whatever it is we're going through, God is not going to have us go through it alone, and we're not the first ones to go through it. And finally, a biggie under number two, you want a healthy thought life about yourself. A healthy thought life about yourself. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. So are you criticizing yourself? When you get up in the morning and you get ready for the day, do you stand in the mirror and pick out all your flaws? Has anyone ever told you that that's a great way to destroy yourself? And if that's not your goal, then this might be the day that you're going to stop doing that. I'm going to plead with you by telling you a story about just another reality here. I had a period of time there right after Norman passed away where I was seeking my comfort in food. I mean, I was just piling in the food, and I was also piling on the pounds. And one day when the, the next level of clothing, because how many of you have um, clothing levels in your closet? <laughs> I, I call them medium, large, extra large, and then my chubble clothes, which are my favorite comfort clothes. But, you know, I was abusing food, really, because I was so distraught and I was so not knowing how to handle what was going on. So I was eating. And any time there was another emotion that came along, I would eat. About 10 extra pounds into this adventure, that still small voice spoke to me really gently and reminded me that food wasn't going to fix my problem. And it won't fix yours either. Guess what? If it's not hunger, as the saying goes, food won't fix it. Women, more than men, are known to eat food to try to solve problems. 
I don't know why we're wired that way, but I just know that it happens more commonly than anybody wants to talk about. And so we need to be real, and we actually need to be very yielded. And it's possible that no one's touched this any time lately that you've heard about, but can I suggest that you ask God how he wants you to take care of you? Ask the Lord. Lord, first of all, confess that you weren't taking good care because I had to. I was not taking care of myself. I, I, I could have made myself very ill. But if we'll go to the Lord and say, Lord, yes, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. How would you like me to take care of me? Because health and well-being and sleep habits and nutrition, all of these things are really not one size fits all. It does happen to be true that there are some people that can function very beautifully off of six hours of sleep. I would not say that about four. If you can do it off four, quit bragging. That's not really all that good for you. But some people don't need more than six or seven. Others need nine or ten. Would you ask God? And then what about your nutrition? Oh, wait, I, I might have another diet in my purse. Could you ask God? He might not have you do what your friend is doing, but he might have you do something differently than what you've been doing. He certainly had to speak to me and say, Francie, that's not how I want you to take care of Francie, because you don't get another body on aisle nine at the grocery store. And then he made me remember how so many times I've taught that it's difficult to be effective in the ministry from a hospital bed. I have a, a heart condition that doesn't need any aggravation, but I was aggravating it, and it was because of grief. So what is it for you? If there's something you're doing in your habits of taking care of your soul carriage that are not good for you, do two things. First of all, ask why, and then second of all, confess that. And then let the Lord lead you. You would be amazed at how good he is at that. He wants to help us in everything. We think that there's compartments that God doesn't care about. He cares all about all of us and every aspect of our lives. But instead of picking at yourself and criticizing yourself and calling yourself names, why don't you ask God how he wants you to take care of you? And while you're at it under number two and closing on that one, ask God to help you to reject lies and embrace the truth. Because that's an area so important when we're thinking about ourselves. Number three out of four, pray for an excellent spirit. Pray for an excellent spirit. I'm glad that this is in scripture because I'm a big fan of an excellent spirit. Proverbs 17:27 says, he that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. It's a two-part verse again. And we need to pay attention to the two parts. The knowledge of sparing the words. The art of editing yourself. It's an art that everybody needs to develop. Because the truth of the matter is this. We should not say everything we're thinking. <laughs> and if you allow yourself to do that, don't be surprised at the cleanup you'll have to do after you've done it. I much rather would not make the mess 
then make the mess and have to be in charge of the cleanup too. And so it's really important that we learn to spare our words and, it didn't say but, it says and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. They're tied together. The ability to spare your words, to zip the lips when you need to, comes from being knowledgeable of the word of God. The understanding of that concept even comes from the word of God. This is one of the chief reasons why the enemy doesn't want you in the word because he knows it'll increase your understanding. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Oh, really? Yep, it's in Psalm 119. Oh, okay, so let me see if I get this right, the enemy says. If they have understanding, they're going to keep God's law and they're going to observe it? Oh, no, stop them now. Wait, look, she's out of bed. Distract her. And you know, all day long, anything and everything to keep you from having time in the word. Well, look, let me ask you a question. How many of you have had to go to a doctor's appointment, say, in the last six months? Can I see your hands? Almost the whole room. All right. Now, because your hands went up, I don't have to ask you, did you keep the appointment? You just raised your hand, you went. Isn't God more important? Can he have time? If it's a struggle for you, then book it. Eventually, you won't have to do that. But if that's what it takes to get you in the habit of meeting with him, then make it an unbreakable appointment. We show up for these people things. We show up. Oh, we won't miss this, 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 name the item. But God, time in the word, absent. So then make it an appointment. Have an alarm go off in your phone if you're a techie. And if you're a paper person, then set a little sticky note on your fridge that says, I'm meeting with God at 8 a.m. And then keep the appointment. I'm going to give you a challenge that you can accept or not. But for the next 90 days, if you're up to the challenge, I want you to not miss one day in the Word. What's going to happen in those 90 days is God is going to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And you're going to see things happen in your spiritual life that you've not ever seen before because you're spending time with Him. Now here's how simple I want this to be. If you are already out of the habit of reading your Bible daily, please just keep it simple. I'm not suggesting that you go to Genesis and read all the way to Revelation for 90 days. I am suggesting that you take that one proverb a day and read that proverb. Ask the Lord to give you your this, the thing he's talking to you about, and then the next day do the same thing. So what's the date today? So on the 23rd, you read Proverbs 23, and on the 24th, you read Proverbs, and you keep on going until the month is over, and then you start over again at the beginning of the month and do that for 90 days. You're just repeating a cycle for 90 days. And at the 91st day, I want you to write to me at keeptheheart at gmail.com. That's my email, keeptheheart at gmail.com. And I want you to tell me what God taught you. Share your blessing. Now, I said on the 91st day, I want you to share your blessing. I did not say, tomorrow, write to me for counsel. <laughs> so if you do that, I'm just going to pass that email to my secretary and say, this person is disobeying. I'll let you answer her. 
you will not hear from me. But if you write to me on the 91st day and say, Francie, you won't believe what God taught me in that 90-day challenge, this and this and this, I'll answer that. And I have answered that. I have had ladies, I've been issuing this challenge for a long time now, and there have been ladies that have been taking it and running with it and getting so excited because they're renewing their relationship and deepening it with the Lord. Their walk with God is being so changed, and they're becoming addicted to the Word, and they're getting excited again about things of the Lord, and they're being refreshed in their souls, and they're shocked. And you know what? One of the common things I'm hearing, I wish I had done this sooner. Oh, oh. Well, guess what? You can do it now. Not while I'm teaching. But before bedtime tonight, if you haven't already read your Bible, Proverbs 23 would be before bedtime tonight. Okay, Francie, what happens if I forget? Get up, even if it's in the middle of the night, and still read. Watch, you will remember if you forget. Did you hear what I just said? And that's how my mind really works. I meant what I said. So another thing to have in that excellent spirit, in addition to being in the Word daily, correct yourself when you have a bad attitude. Correct yourself. You know, it's amazing what we will not take out of kids. But we will not take a bad attitude out of a child. We will clean their little clock so fast. Look, you, you straighten up right now and we get the neck going and all kinds of stuff. We are not taking that for 10 seconds out of a child, but we'll let ourselves have a get-out-of-jail-free card. We know when we're having a bad attitude about something, and yet we'll feed it. Then we'll spread it like a virus. We'll go tell somebody else about our bad attitude and have them try to get on board with our bad attitude. That's just not right. Correct yourself when you have a bad attitude. That is having an excellent spirit. And ask yourself this too. What's bothering you? What is bothering you? Sometimes, again, because we're so busy, we don't even know. Because we don't slow down long enough to allow ourselves to process our very thoughts. But what is bothering you? And then ask yourself a follow-up question. How are you responding to it? Are you responding to it in a productive way? Or are you counterproductive? Wallowing is counterproductive. Getting angry, counterproductive. When something is bothering you, get to the bottom of what it is and commit it to the Lord and let him establish your thoughts so that you can get to the business of some solutions. This will be a, a wise investment. And... Be careful. This is one that just is a warning. In that part about sparing the words, be careful not to appoint yourself as the police in other people's lives. Wow, that'll get you in trouble. And you know what? I'm even talking to you moms who have adult children. Wait, but they're mine. That's fruit of my womb. Yeah, I know. Sometimes they don't behave like rewards, but they are. And you want to preserve the relationship and keep that relationship protected and guarded. Your children at any stage of life should be able to look at you and see Jesus. 
you should be one of the finest Christians they know. And if you're not, maybe it's just spiritual starvation. Food will fix that. Don't fast from the word, sister friends. Feast on it. We need this just as daily as bodies need physical food. But if we're spiritually starving, it will come out in our behavior and in our attitude. And we won't respond to situations correctly, and we will decide that other people need us to tell them what they have wrong with them, while we've got a bunch of fingers pointing back at ourselves while we're pointing at them. We're not the police in other people's lives. We're not. And if you appoint yourself, you will get hurt, and so will they. So ask God to help you with your viewpoint and with your responses. This is going to help to, to get to that point of an excellent spirit. And finally, number four, our last point. Pray to have the mind of Christ. Pray for the mind of Christ. My notes had a change in them, and I couldn't tell which one I left it at. So that's what happens when you scribble all over your paper. But pray for the mind of Christ. Look at that passage of Scripture in Philippians 2. It's just absolutely loaded. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what do we have here in bullet points? First, Christ made himself of no reputation. What do we do? We try to impress people. If we want to have the mind of Christ, we've got to get over trying to impress people. We need to copy him. Make yourself of no reputation. You don't have to be patted on the back. Nobody has to say your name. You don't need to get an award. You don't need a trophy. Nobody needs to remember your birthday. Well, okay, just kidding. <laughs> How many of you are big about birthdays? How many tell, tell the truth? Well, my kids know this about me, so I don't have to say anything, but the only reason why they know that is because years ago, when I was a big baby, they forgot my birthday, and I cried. I tried not to, but at the, by the end of the day and nothing had happened, I was, well, it's my birthday, and I just was wondering if, and my husband grabbed the kids, threw them in the car, went speeding out of the house, and came back to the house with this great big cake that had white frosting and blue trim, and it was chocolate cake with white frosting. I don't like that. <laughs> Sorry, Norm. But you know what? I did like the effort. So I never, ever let on with the kids that mom doesn't like chocolate cake with white frosting. They did not know I had a big old hunk right alongside with them, and I totally despise blue frosting. Don't put blue on my food unless it's a true blueberry. 
but I don't like blue food coloring in my food. I don't know what that is. It's some kind of weird thing about weird me. But I just, honestly, cake was the scariest looking thing I'd ever seen in earth, on earth, in life. But what were they trying to do? They were trying to say, we didn't mean to forget. Let's have a birthday party now. And we had a birthday party then. And we went on and we had a great night. And we watched Winnie the Pooh and all kinds of other stuff. And we laughed and we talked and we had a good time from that moment forward. No more sulking. See, here's what we can't do. We can't go back and forth on things like, okay, now, now you remembered, I'm going to punish you. No. When someone puts forth an effort, be like Christ. If we have no reputation, what difference does it make when somebody does something? Just the fact that they did is a blessing, isn't it? It is. I still don't like chocolate cake with white frosting, but <laughs> it is a blessing. So what else about Christ? He took the form of a servant. Uh-oh, you mean that we're supposed to do that too? Yes. If we're going to resemble Jesus, then we need to take the form of a servant. But here's how we are. We like to be served. You know what helps cure you of that? Find a job in your ministry that nobody else wants to do and you take it. It's a great cure. It can be simple too. You just don't even have to talk about it. Just walk in the building and take out all the trash. The, the person in charge of custodial work will love you. They'll think you walk on water and hung the moon. <laughs> but we need to get over this wanting to have people do things for us if we're going to be like Jesus. What else did he do? Christ humbled himself. Oh, no. Humility is not even natural for us. What are we going to do with this one? We are so not humble that even the act of driving a car becomes a competition. I mean, you see somebody in your rearview mirror and they look like they're going to come up and change lanes and you're, you know, and all of a sudden you become evil Knievel's wife and you're driving all hard and fast and you just are not going to let them change lanes on top of you because you're there first. You know what I'm talking about or you wouldn't be giggling. We're not humble. So we have to work hard on humbling ourselves to be like Christ. So what do we have to develop in our attitude there? We have to develop an after you attitude. You're walking up towards the door, somebody, you feel them, they're right on your heels, step back. After you. Car wants to change lanes, pull back. Wave them in. You open up the fridge, there's the last beloved piece of whatever that food is that everybody in the family loves? Oh, you said, now you're meddling, Francie. I'm not going there. I saw some of you said, mm, -mm. <laughs> after you. Uh, yeah, 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 I saw those looks. You think I didn't see you? I saw those looks. You're not playing. I am so not playing either. It takes time, but if we practice, we'll get good at it. And finally, Christ obediently suffered the death of the cross. Obediently, it says. He didn't have to, in other words, but he chose to be obedient and yield. They didn't take his life. He gave it. Are we willing to give ours? If we're going to be like Christ, we are. A sister friend of mine asked me this question here, and I get asked this question a lot. Francie, how are you doing? And I say, I'm learning. Because that's my honest answer. I'm just like you, sister friends. I'm learning how to do this. 
I'm learning how to walk out this Christian life by faith. I'm learning how to walk it out now with the extra added layer of grief. But God has not changed one bit. And what happens in our lives, it's going to go through this rotational cycle. There will, there will be times when things are fine. You might be in that cycle right now. Have you thanked him? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Are you in a quiet spell right now? Please thank him. But if you're not, have you thanked him? We don't want the enemy to get any part of the territory of our mind. We don't want him to sour us on this Christian life and turn us into these ladies who are actually living examples of how not to do the Christian life. We don't want that. So let's ask God to help us yield the territory of our minds to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do yield to you. And these ladies that came today, they, they, they are yielded just by walking through the door. I pray that if there's anyone that came today and they haven't even done the first act of yielding in coming to Christ for their Savior, I pray that whoever they came with will take the extra time to share how you save and you totally redeem souls. But for those who do know your Savior, Lord, I pray that they'd commit the territory of their minds to you so that you can transform each one of us by the renewing of our mind and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, sister friends. <laughs>